Are we going to the puppy parade or not? This is starting to feel like a bottle episode. Again with the TV crap. Hey, people, did you take Annie's pen to make life more like Benny Hill or whatever you do? I wouldn't do that. I hate bottle episodes. They're wall-to-wall facial expression and emotional nuance. I might as well sit in the corner with a bucket on my head. We promise today on today's podcast of Community Rewatching 101 that Thomas will behave himself, Al will use small, easy-to-understand words, and Heather will not just be delegated to representing only her gender. She will also be representing all of geek kind. So that those are the, the grand promises we're making on today's show. Probably going to be breaking them in the next couple minutes. No, that'll be easy. I always behave myself, so it's yes. it's fine. Um, so let's start the show the way we always start it, as um, uh, by with a question. Um, and over you to you, Justin, with the the question for the start of the episode. Yeah, the question is who's who's <laughs> on the podcast right now? How are you guys? What's up? Hi. I can't believe you guys had an air horn without me. <laughs> so many air horns did you listen yeah. to the show you listened to it didn't you i okay. surely did <laughs> i have to apologize no air horn this week i'm not on my main computer so sorry oh, listeners no. i know everyone came back probably for the air horn above anything else but nah, not this I time i mixed that show on a, on a like a overnight red eye hangover oh, and i had to listen <laughs> <laughs> oh, i had totally forgotten it had been a week and a half and i had totally forgotten you did that and so thank thank you that was the gift that just kept on giving there thomas You're well we've got the full strength the full compliment our i don't know what the geese call when they got the full wing the full wing, the, the mighty duck wing. We've got all our mighty ducks in a row for today's show as we talk about season two, episode eight, cooperative calligraphy. It's the episode where I had to actually learn to spell calligraphy without looking because how often do you actually use that word? Probably never. I don't know. Um, but we have a great episode lined up today. My prognostication radar is telling me that. And we've got Heather, Al, Thomas, and myself, Justin. We're going to take you through another amazing episode here of Community. So are you guys ready? Are you pumped for a bottle episode? Let's do it. Yes. Hashtag pumped. Pumped yeah. as. Hashtag pumped as. That's better. All right, our opening question today is this. Do people steal your stuff? And if so, what do they steal? My thunder. Yeah, all the time. Oh. <laughs> uh, your thunder down under? <laughs> That's for cool the air people horn. this week. Um, yeah. I, I was a bit of a pen thief in primary school, actually. I'm, I'll, I'll just come right out and admit it. Um, in in school i just we would have to clean up the classroom at the end of the day and there were pens on the ground and i didn't know whose they were anytime so I, I didn't mean i wasn't stealing i was just cleaning up and i'd put them in my extra large pencil case and then um and then it kind of got to the end of the year and everyone was going like oh we we always like don't have our pens and and I wasn't like hiding them, but then someone found like my pencil case and they realized I had all the pens and, uh, and I was like, yeah, I've got all the pens just from cleaning up and everyone got mad at me, but I, so I think I was doing episode, a service. <laughs> you were the culprit. Put away your silence, your cell phones <laughs> when the movie is in progress, please. 
So you are the thief. Annie should have been looking at you, Thomas. That's right. I'm I'm the I'm the monkey. Yeah. Oh man, people always steal my pens, and I get really irked because I buy very nice pens, and mm. um, I don't like using cheap pens. I'm not trying to be a snob. I just I, I know what I like. Like a snob, though. Yeah, I do. <laughs> In college, here was the weirdest thing people ever stole. We had a we had a year there, and I again I'm going to tell you this, and I you're not going to believe me, but it's okay. We had about a year there where it was very popular on our campus that if girls were dating you, they would steal your boxers from your drawers and just take them for casual lounge wear back in their rooms. And oh. so we had to be very much on guard about that because. If we ever had girls over in our dorms, uh, we turned our back. Suddenly, they're rifling through our unmentionables. So it's like a reverse Revenge of the Nerds thing. Yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know. They just said, "Hey, these are really comfortable. We're gonna steal them." And I'm like, "Do you know what guys are? You don't want to steal our boxers, but okay." No, whatever. Especially if you don't know horrified they're in, look on yeah, Whether they have the clean pile or the dirty pile, because those are two very different <laughs> categories. <laughs> hopefully clean, hopefully, but still, still. Hey, yeah. Anyways, you guys, any any other thievery stories we want to share today? Or uh, I recently had somebody steal a Spider-Man statue off of my desk at work. What? Aww. Yeah, that was. Uh, we don't go into the office pretty much ever anymore. We were more or less full-time remote, but the office is still there. And I had a little Spider-Man statue of him hanging upside down from a lamppost on my desk. And uh, and it is gone. And I don't know who took it, and I'm assuming I will never see it again. All right, we're going to start a GoFundMe to get Al a new Spider-Man statue, because that seems yeah. like an essential. Do you have any key culprits in mind, Al? Um vulture the, typically it's a building about 600 people <laughs> yeah vulture <laughs> any given day there's about 10 people in this building now so um maybe somebody from it or a janitor i don't know <laughs> i'm gonna put no, my money on the guy from it um yeah no that's actually that's unfair to our janitors janitors are awesome i, I would say that it was uh, probably someone who came in for a one-off day or somebody who stared at it for two years and said no one's ever at this desk i'm just taking it <laughs> well surprises on you al we found out where you were living and you where you worked and well heather and i just had a kind of fun fun day after, out and yeah sorry dude we just it looks really great though it does it's behind yeah. this curtain here <laughs> yeah. all right well let's get into today's episode we have a lot i'm hoping we have a lot to talk about, uh, unless you guys are looking at your note sheets and going, well, I wrote three things down, um, and we're going to get into this episode. Al has our summary today, so take it away, Al. Okay. Community, Season 2, Episode 8, Cooperative Calligraphy, written by Dan Harmon, Megan Gans, and Dino Stamatopoulos, directed by Joe Russo. There's a puppy parade at Greendale, and everyone is invited. It starts on the quad, and then it gets cold, so everyone has to hold a puppy while they put them in little hats. It is the best day ever. Meanwhile, Annie loses a pen. All this, plus Annie's boobs, tonight on Community. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> tell, tell me, tell me how much, the first time you saw this episode, you wanted to see the puppy parade. Oh, it's just a little taste we get. It's just brilliant. It's beautiful. 
And that could have been the entire episode. It's actually so fun leaving it to the imagination. I was imagining such wonderful things at that puppy parade. <laughs> I like that one part where the dean is kind of describing it and giving instructions. She's like, but why am I even saying this? Everybody's out on the quad. <laughs> Nobody would miss something amazing like this. I, I don't know if I've ever seen or heard of a puppy parade it sounds great i think there are logistical issues with keeping puppies still <laughs> if you've ever met a puppy being mm-hmm. still is not really their thing but um it's well that's of, it, you know but but i think that's what makes this one even more special <laughs> highly trained like where did he get the puppies where what organization is doing this there's it's so lo- many questions it's a local shelter he says isn't it is it? I thought that's. It's, well, I think that's what he says when he shows up in the first scene. Is the local shelter is hosting their puppy parade? A local shelter that has purebreds. I mean, it's trained, Colorado, so trained purebred puppies with all birds. kinds of. Yeah, this is the lives of the rich and famous, man. <laughs> it's actually a really. Have you been to Boulder? It's very up and coming. It's actually a really good idea compared to all the dean's other. Uh, ideas for events and festivals at the at the campus. This is probably one of the best. Yeah, maybe it's like an yeah, adoption event, right? You know, you just trot them out and then hopefully they get a new home. That's it would have been pretty it. awesome if like the next episode you saw half the campus just carrying around puppies to class and everything. Aww. That would have been that would be kind of awesome. Been My wife had always said when we had kids babies she's like i always just want to put them in a bathtub full of puppies i'm like what she's like that would be the cutest thing ever a little baby bunch of puppies i'm like yeah and a bunch of poop um Mm -hmm. and a kid who's just grabbing and screaming but you know that's probably not (laughs) not what her imagination was going for there all right puppy parade are we in i think unanimously the community rewatching 101 crew would totally be in for a puppy parade oh yeah but uh, we're not. We never get there, because what we have here, very blatantly, is a bottle episode. Uh, as they as they well explain, right? For people, I I thought most everybody knew what a bottle episode was, but I guess there might be some people who don't, and they very explicitly explain this is a an episode where they're trying to save a little bit of money, so they just focus right down to the core cast and a single location. And they don't go on special shoots. They don't use special effects. They just keep everything in-house. And so I wanted to ask you guys, how do you generally feel about bottle episodes and shows? Are there any that really come to mind as well done? Or do you not even notice when an episode does a show does a bottle episode? I always notice, but I think my husband has made me do that more than I would have before because he hates them with a fiery passion. (laughs) So the second he can even sniff that it's coming on, he's like, oh, it's a bottle episode. So I've become more cognizant of like tips and hints of, oh, that's that's what this is going to be. And I guess I like them less than I I never, ever, ever used to care ever but nowadays I do get, depending on if it's a good one or not, I, I cannot name any, but I know I've seen some before that I thought were good. Yeah, but, I think they're really hit and miss. A couple that yeah. come to mind for me are some of my favorite episodes ever, like um, uh, The Fly in Breaking Bad, I think is a bottle episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and Midnight in Doctor Who. And that's what I was going to yeah, say. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. And the the you can tell like there are cases where the the constraint of having to be in one room with a core cast have meant the writer has just gone, okay, I'm going to come up with the cleverest character writing that I possibly can. So, yeah, I really like those ones. And this yeah. one. I think I became most aware of bottle episodes on Star Trek The Next Generation because they they mm-hmm. often talked about them in the making of the show. They were like, yeah, our, our season only had so much budget and so, you know, X amount of shows we could do like on location or create cool sets or do a lot of special effects but we had to have a chunk where it was just like just on board the enterprise and you know just using all the sets and walking around or sometimes they even did you know just reduce it down to a single room for for uh, the sake of sometimes when you when you restrain things like that you actually bring out a level of creativity uh, because you are you're confining yourself to uh, certain parameters and that can actually force you to be more clever than having a wide open canvas. So, Al, did you have any other other than I, that Doctor Who one you were thinking actually, of? Actually, the third one I had was Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, I think, dude, oh, I know. Sorry. I just, that's that's a rewind. We... We'll start over the episode. Welcome back <laughs> to Community Rewatching 101. No, because I, I, I think the same thing. I think that's where I learned about them because I watched The Next Generation obsessively, you know, all through my teens. And some of the episodes, they just kind of constrained. I always think of Starship Mine, which is the... Yeah. Die Hard on the Enterprise with Captain Picard and, all the, and the terrorists while the Enterprise is in dry dock. They don't it's even just, they don't even spring for like the cast. The, most yeah, of the cast is just like yeah, we're on break. Just Patrick Stewart <laughs> running around a bunch of empty hallways fighting terrorists, hauling his uh, horse saddle around. Right, yeah, that's right. I forgot about the horse saddle. <laughs> I don't know why that always stuck in my mind. It's just the weirdest prop that he had. But yeah. So, okay, well, we have a bottle episode here, and whether or not it was for budgetary reasons, I, I probably think just Dan Harmon, as always, is sub- subverting and commenting on the sitcom, and this is something that comes up every now and then, where they just have a bottle episode. Well, so, he uh, lets them lampshade bottle episodes and save money. Yeah, yeah. So, here, here's the situation. As, as Al kind of outlined, a pen goes missing. And actually, if you look 42 seconds into the episode for just a split second, you can see the pen. What happens to the pen? I've what? tried to catch this repeatedly and I've never seen it. I've gone back and rewound and rewatched and I've never caught it. It is so blink and you'll miss it. I I did go back. I Somebody pointed it out a year or two ago. And when I went back and watched, I'm like, yeah, oh, it's totally there. You You barely see a tiny hand and you do see the pen like flip up and over the table and that's it. But it's you. You won't notice it because people are talking. It's a it's a short shot, anyways. And yeah, it's forty two seconds into it. So the pen, anyways, it goes missing, and Annie is not having it because uh, she's had so many pens stolen, and she makes <laughs> instantly makes a rather big to do about it. Uh, Annie's really well known for the her screaming nose. I don't know how we'd rank them, but this is, I would say this is pretty high with her shaking her head back and forth, the hair whipping, screaming so loud that everybody stops in their tracks. You know, you said screaming nose, and I was trying to figure out what you were talking about as in nose on her face. Oh, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Took me a minute. Took me a minute. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's such a good no, even in terms of Annie's nose, which are all spectacular. And just the fact that it goes across multiple shots is amazing. Like that there's one and then you cut to everyone else and then you cut back and it's like a zooming in. No, it's full on. And then the cut to credits just caps it off. That's just the the raspberry on top. Yeah, and before that there were... I guess I, I'm not really doing this chronologically. Oh, we're just we're doing more freeform <laughs> today. I I like their little. I guess they're doing a, a project for anthropology. They're making paper mache models, and we learn what humanity is going to evolve into, which apparently is a dragon monster with three legs. Three legs. <laughs> That's a leg. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that paper mache model. I wish that they sell it with all the. Um, Funko that you could buy your little pop <laughs> thing. That'd be kind of fun. That's a good idea. Yeah. Do they sell? They got to sell community. Do they sell community Funko Pop? They have. You know? They have Funko everything, so they must. They must. But I also, I kind of imagine these being a little boring. I think, other than maybe Abed and Shirley, like I don't know, everyone's a, a little generic looking. Maybe take them from specific episodes where they're dressed up and mm. doing something crazy. That I can mm. see for sure. I mean, I I would totally buy like Britta in the lava episode, or the um, <laughs> the meow meow beans episode with the little mustard on her face. That would be good. Yeah. So, Troy asked a question, and I actually know the answer to this. So I'm gonna say he asked, "Do wiener dogs get born normal and get wiener from there?" We had a wiener dog as a puppy, and they start wiener. They don't. They don't start normal and grow wiener. So, just if you're ever curious about that, the more you know, <laughs> the more you know. Also, don't buy a wiener dog. They bark like crazy, and they tend to have really bad back problems. Ours broke her back three oh. three years in, and we had oh. to put her down. And it was very very Poor sad. Pop. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so less depressing than that. What is on Abed's shirt? <laughs> he has a really interesting shirt. I. No idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forget entirely what it looks like. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Can you describe it? It, it, says, it says RVCA four times. Oh. And RVCA, I don't know what that's RVCA, RVCA, RVCA. Yeah. I've done no research whatsoever, but it doesn't look familiar to me, but it's got to be something, right? Could be. Or just the casting director just found something that looked hip. I don't know. Uh, he does usually have a pretty, like a, a cross between a hipster and Mr. Rogers kind of <laughs> cardigan sweater. That's outfit. so accurate. Yeah. He, it, he looks comfortable. Like he always looks like he's comfortable. So that's good. There's a little shot. I don't know if it was intentional, but in this opening bit where Troy is like standing against the wall, he's crossing his arms and he's right next to a poster for the college which also has a black guy crossing his arms in the same exact way <laughs> and i really don't know if that was intentional or not but i thought it was interesting so all right well let's talk about let's talk about the pen i guess that's it's what we're all here for it's not just a pen it's a principle and annie is not going to let this go she's not going to let them leave she needs to find out who took her pen. And our suspects are few. Nobody else has been in the room. She has photographic evidence. 
that the pen was on the table and you can see when she took that picture uh and now it's gone so it's got to be one of the six including herself and they don't know what i kind of found interesting about this episode in retro uh, watching it this time around is that nobody's really forced to stay there like nobody locks a door nobody chains them in everybody could freely leave at any time yet the episode keeps coming up with like all this these social pressure points to keep them there whether it's guilt and shame accusations peer pressure annie just screaming like crazy they're 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 bound to that room maybe bound to each other maybe i'm reading into it way too much but i kind of found that really interesting that i kept thinking yeah abed doesn't even want to be there why doesn't he just walk out the room there's so much fun character stuff in this episode and i think they find all the right reasons to keep everybody exactly where they are i love that there's no external force that's doing that it's it's all based on the things that they're like said britta could go but she needs to sit there and pontificate on civil rights and invasions of privacy (laughs) and you know just they they find the right thing to keep everybody in place best line ever there's no quick invasion casual invasion of civil liberties and everybody's like ah (laughs) (laughs) yes speaking of uh that doctor who episode midnight i once heard the writer of that russell t davies say maybe this was in his book actually i read his book once and he was talking about the difference between like good drama and and bad drama and like his example was that a bad dramatic moment with a someone about to fire a gun would be they're pointing the gun at someone and then they don't know if they should shoot and they try and shoot but the gun clicks and it's out of ammo or it misfires or something um but the good drama would be they're pointing the gun at this other person do they want to shoot them and for some character reason they decide to or they decide not to. It's more of a character conflict rather than the gun just doing something. Uh, So, yeah, this episode kind of reminded me of that because, yeah, they're not locked in the room or anything. Anyone can leave at any time, but it's fun that it's for character reasons. They're all stuck here, and it just gets more and more serious for everyone the longer it goes on. It's a really well-written episode, too. There's there's a lot of details that kind of come out the further along you get into the episode. And then when you go back, like, you know, that the little bit I mentioned where the you see with the pen got taken, you wouldn't notice that the first time around. But there's some broader ones. Like later on, we find out Abed's been charting certain things about the women folk, right? He's, he didn't do it intentionally. <laughs> I thought that was, it was so, that's an interest. That's a very Abed thing. Like he just starts tracking different things and then finally realized what was going on but kept on going because it was yielding good results and he's so he's tracking everybody's menstrual cycles right but if you go back and you realize well annie's going through a menstrual cycle right now he gives her a piece of chocolate early on in the episode mm-hmm. like in the first first minute or so don't realize why you know but it's just that's abed doing abed's thing could also kind of explain why annie flips really hard with the 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 no but can can we back up did you say women folk did you turn into justin ingles wilder on us 
I, I I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to get somewhere near Garrison Keeler. <laughs> if I can reach that point in my life, I heard somebody once say, "Anytime you're writing a book, letter, anything, don't use the word folks because people hate that word." And now I, I find myself using it more and more. So, no, I, I say folks all the time. It's it's a good it's a good non gendered word for you all. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to get to y'all. Y'all is another good non gendered word for you all. That's true. So is use mob. Use mob. <laughs> <laughs> so we say down under. We say yeah, use mob. Uh, use use mob. <laughs> Uh huh. Like a yeah. mob of people, of folks. Okay. It's like it's a, that's pretty close to like New Jersey, like use guys, use guys, use guys. Come here. Hmm. Well, it's like you lot in Britain, right? You lot. <laughs> well, we're just checking off all the stereotypical <laughs> little regional dialects there. That's good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna throw the I'm gonna throw the door open for this episode. I don't have to lead us bit by bit through it. What do you guys want to talk about for this bottle episode? What definitely really not the minstrel cycle tracking anymore. I'm good. All right, we don't yeah. have to talk about that anymore. <laughs> That's fine. I did like how I mean I had to pause and I had to look over that entire notebook because oh my goodness, that was a lot of craziness. He just got in there, but mm-hmm. oh, I meant to pause and look at it, and I did not get it. I didn't get to go back and do it. There's charts and graphs and dates and little notes about who likes what on what days. And yeah, so um, I like uh, sorry, go ahead. I said, no, we don't have to talk about that. That's okay. I like looking at whatever in everybody's bags as they're dumping everything out. And Troy just has a cushion. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's the joke there? Because uh, what what is it that Jeff says? You're now my hero. There's no books. There's no paper. He is slacking on an entirely different level. It's just a cushion to make the bag fill up. That's not where my brain goes. Oh, okay. I always <laughs> thought it was a hemorrhoid pillow. Oh, oh yeah, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Or he just doesn't like hard seats in class. Maybe he likes a little a little <laughs> comfort. Maybe. Yeah, I overthought that joke a bit too, I think. Because I thought it was funny, but I was like, wait, but what does it mean? <laughs> is it a yeah, pillow why to does sleep he have a on pillow? during class? Like, put your head down on the desk? Oh, yeah. There you Maybe go. it's a bit of all of the above. Yeah. yeah. Kind of reminds me when a later episode, they have a briefcase. Uh, the, the one with the librarian. And they have a briefcase, but they open it up and it's just holding their sandwiches. Like, I guess... They don't ever use containers the way that containers should be used. Maybe that's a joke. I don't know. Hmm. Um, let's talk about Pierce's wheelchair. Because that last episode, he broke his leg. So now what is Pierce going to do? Is he going to hobble around on crutches? Is he going to bulk up his upper body strength with a traditional wheelchair? No, he's going to outbid three hospitals to get a wheelchair that moves by blowing into a tube. <laughs> While he has perfectly working arms, I <laughs> <Perfect laughs> can't really seem to get the the full knack of how to move with this thing, anyways. And although do, he does get in the room, so we'll give him that. Do those things it's pretty really cool. exist? Yeah, I'm wondering like how hard you need to blow into it, and 
Um, it's got to be for like quadriplegics, right? That's I guess so. It was a Stephen Hawking thing. Christopher Reeve had one of those too after his accident. Oh, I thought I thought Hawking had like a thing that responded to some light movement he could do, like with oh, his well, head maybe, or uh, maybe one you're finger. right. But it's definitely a Christopher Reeve wheelchair. That's huh. definitely a thing he had. A little breath strip. Huh. It's it pretty is cool. A serious piece of hardware. It's really so. just one small step before like plugging that thing directly into your brain, and then you're just Charles Xavier with a wheelchair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, Charles Xavier's wheelchair, right, covers his entire lower part of his body. I always thought he had like a jacuzzi in there or something. Just... <laughs> oh, but Why wouldn't how you? wrinkly your skin would get? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's why. He's a mutant. Maybe that's one of his powers. <laughs> that is one mutant power I'd be happy to have. <laughs> what anti wrinkles? Yeah, anti. Well, like so you could just stay in the bath as long as you wanted, and you'd never get that uncomfortable feeling when your when your fingers wrinkle up. You know, like little prunes. No, anybody? Pretty, pretty digits, yes. I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm all for it. All right, cool, good. And speaking of Pierce in the wheelchair, his we've got the bit where they open up his casts, and everyone's oh. reactions to the smell seemed very <laughs> so bad. Accurate to it me. makes you like they communicated smell so well yes. in that moment, and that is a very hard thing to communicate over an audiovisual medium. But yes, I mean we could all smell it. <sighs> probably. It just, it wasn't so nasty looking. They didn't even have to add the Slim Jims in there. <laughs> like, just just opening up those casts was enough to be like, oh. He tries to eat the Slim Jim. Mm. He can't get it to his mouth because his hand's <laughs> duct taped to the chair. Yeah. What did, what did Troy say? That we've lost three DVD remotes already down yeah. there? Yeah. <laughs> I only saw one. I saw one in a lot of pens and I don't know what else. It was, I didn't really want to look at it that that closely at least a paintbrush there's a paintbrush down there too so yeah that was that was disgusting mm-hmm. so does that mean he now has to go get recasted <gasps> i guess so yeah i, I would guess so I've, i'm curious if the cast look the same next episode all right we're gonna watch that i i think probably the most unrealistic bit of this episode is that they were able to cut through it with traditional scissors yeah i don't buy that yeah no way and <laughs> definitely not without like slicing up his leg, but you know he's fine. So yeah, that that gives uh, Pierce something physical to work with in the episode. I thought I, I thought there were some really funny little moments. I also I'm like sure. his aphasia. I think is really funny. His aphasia, the octopus loss. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Britta, Britta getting upset and then getting what she called Gua- guantanamo uh, and being the first person searched, the first person accused, and having her dump out all her stuff. Uh, that was that was cool. But it starts this downward spiral where everybody starts uh, distrusting everybody else more and more and more and coming up with more reasons why. I mean, they're just like everybody's instantly willing to throw each other under the bus. And I think the episode gets a lot of humor out of that, where they're just they're talking and I forget who was talking for a, a long while. And everybody's like, yeah, does it, is it just me or does it make it like they stole it? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they stole it. You know? So never know when the, the episode is going to juke right back around to accusations. Oh, my favorite one was 
Annie comforting Shirley behind the table and putting her arm around her and just like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Is that why you stole my pen? Shirley's <laughs> like, what? So, I think so here we uh, one of my favorite bits when kind of everything kicks into the next gear is when when Jeff commits. Like, I think... I think that's when you were just talking about too, Justin. Like, I think Jeff was talking for a while and then they say it was probably him. And then he's like, all right. And he's like jamming the door shut and we're going to find this pen. And he's got some great lines like, if we can't find it, our children will find it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's pulling he up the carpet. great crazy eyes in that, motive, in that moment. Yeah. He, he, he dumps his date for the night, right? He gets out his phone and he's like, I'll tell your disappointment to suck it. We're doing a bottle episode. He just slams down the phone. And I read this interesting thing about that online. I don't know if anyone else saw anything about I this. Yeah, I saw it too. Uh, Alan, can you describe it? Because I I didn't even look properly at what it is, but this is weird. That this is not a real girl. This is not a real person. And oh. that Gwyneth or Gwyneth or what do they say her name is? Gwenifer. Gwenifer. Gwenifer is Jeff and Britta's code for let's go sneak off and hook up. And yeah. so when he is calling her to call off the date, if you look, the phone is not on. He's not actually talking to anybody. And that is very intentional because that's him telling Britta, let's change our plans because we're dealing with this now. Yeah. And I thought Dude. we were done with the Jeff and Britta stuff. But apparently, according to Dan Harmon, that's the idea here is that Jeff and Britta are secretly dating. No, they just keep hooking up throughout the entire second season. Ah. Uh. And We're I gonna come we, back around to it eventually. Oh, okay. Yeah, they do. They do kind of <laughs> confirm that. I didn't. When have they ever used the the Gwenifer line before, or since? I don't know that it ever comes back up. I will find out, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's something I read that Dan Harmon said was an, an intentional thing. Huh. Okay. We learn <laughs> something new every day. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, one of the things I really enjoyed about this episode is watching how deeply uncomfortable Abed is with everything that's going on. <laughs> yes. Like, he, he, this is a guy who knows TV better than anybody else. He knows the medium. He knows what's coming with a bottle episode. And it is like every one of his nightmares bottled into, no pun intended, bottled into the same little package. It's just like, it's wall-to-wall nuance that I can neither, neither understand nor reciprocate. And I hate it. Yeah. May as well sit in the corner with a bucket on my head. That's a, that's yes. a great line. Yeah. And it's it's so. it's cool to see this side of well, this approach from our bed because usually it is the opposite. He's usually like the first one to commit to the premise of the episode and to help it along. But in this one, he's like he's pretty reluctant to join into the bottle episode. Yeah, I think uh, I love when he gets really sarcastic toward the end. He says, I much prefer being entombed alive in a mausoleum of feelings. I can neither understand nor reciprocate. Uh, I'm going to use that entombed alive in a mausoleum of feelings. Quote at some point that, in my life. Is that like being in a glass case of emotion? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it, it just gets, it gets worse and worse. They start really shredding each other's, not just each other's personal property, but also kind of poking into some things that people would like to be holding secret, such as Shirley's pregnancy test. Uh, her 
dun, you dun, know, dun. girl. Pregnancy test. <laughs> Which, uh, I'm, I'm always sucker for a bad pun, and that one just uh, delighted me to no end. I was actually but surprised yeah. that Netflix left that in, because they've cut out some very tame-seeming stuff concerning race compared to that. You know, about how they've cut out the entirety of that Dungeons and Dragons episode, and even the first episode where he's talking to the cafeteria worker that's black. And I think he makes, he says something like, you people, your people or something. They cut that out of the episode. Okay. So I was surprised that this got to go on through. I don't know what their criteria is. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, I have to watch this on Netflix now. Did it disappear from Amazon Prime for everybody else too? Which, uh, no, I bought it, so it's just... Uh. I've been watching them on Amazon Prime because it doesn't have all the cuts that Netflix and Hulu put up on their st- on their community. Oh. Yeah, I was and watching on gone. Amazon for Prime for a while after I realized what they did in the first episode. But we don't have Prime anymore, so I'm back to Netflix. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, it, it came off Prime. You can no longer watch it. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Which means I'm gonna have to buy the Dungeons and Dragons episode because there's nowhere else to get it. Hmm. Which is uh, okay. What? I'll give I, I'll give my money to this show. You know, it's you know, <laughs> it's worth it. It's but, worth it. But see, here's another example of how clever the writing was, whether or not you like this whole little subplot with Abed tracking people. It does play into the actual plot here that he was tracking when Shirley was ovulating and it was Halloween. And the second he mentions that, Troy's eyes get about four times bigger. Mm-hmm. He never says anything, but he's putting two and two together and he is not uh, pleased with what his mind is discovering in that moment. So, Yeah. So we kind of find out Shirley might might have a little bun in the oven. And uh, that's that's going to be something big for this season. I don't remember this this kind of little plot line at all. So I'm rediscovering it fresh bit by bit in horror. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to say this episode has a lot of really good quotes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, it kind of makes sense because it's just a lot of character stuff. But there are a lot of real. Everybody gets a lot of really funny quotes. Um, I just I like Shirley. Like I think we're about the same age, and Brit is like, sure, unless time is linear. Shirley's like, I'll make your butt linear. That doesn't make any sense. I'll make your butt sense. <laughs> yes. Ah, Shirley, you're amazing. And Brit has got many amazing lines, like we've already said some, but uh, uh, she says, and uh, uh, no, I lost it. Um, I got and, one from her. It said, the thought police are forcey warcing you to bend and spread. <laughs> That's the one. And then Troy's like, uh, they find thoughts in your butts. I knew I should have read that book. <laughs> And Britta Brit also has a really good one that I want on a t-shirt. It says, welcome to the machine. She just, she's two episodes in a row now. She's had some really good, like, screaming out loud quotes. So she's got some issues she's going through. Yeah. So, so anyways, this all devolves really quickly with the suspicion and the searching everybody. The pen doesn't uh, turn up. And so, logically... The next step here is for everybody to apparently anger strip. And that's what happens. And I want to just say a couple quick things about this. I appreciate what the episode does here. 
Uh, I, I like the fact that, first of all, it's it's funny in how fast it escalates to this point where Jeff and Annie are suddenly like ripping their shirts off to prove that they don't have this pen. Uh, but I also like that the episode then cuts to commercial, cuts back, everybody's standing there in their underwear, but they use two, the two tables. And I thought that is a marvelous way to kind of preserve modesty for the actors while still well, actually kind of making it a little funnier than if they were just standing there in their underwear with nothing. Right. So. Yeah, I think it makes a lot. It makes sense for on a number of levels, but I, I totally agree. I think it, it heightens the comedy and it makes the stripping. Um, it makes it funny and, and not sexy, I guess. You know, it, yeah. It, it, yeah, it robs it of that because that's not the point. The point is that this is ridiculous. Although we see more of the guys in their underwear than we do in the girls. I just want to note. That's true. I guess the episode wasn't that modest in the end. I don't know. You know what this reminded me of when I was trying to think of just comparing it to the stuff we've watched already is the episode in season one. I don't know what episode it was, but it ends with everybody sitting around the table and them saying like, I guess it's just that any one of us could be a partner for somebody else. And they're all just sitting around like waggling their eyebrows at each other and sort of uncomfortably. And that sort of worked, but not really. This really, really works because it's just a lot of charged energy heading into this sequence. And it just makes me feel like how much, what a different level this season has been on from season one. I think this scene's also, I agree with you, by the way. Um, that pause was a pause of respect for how much I agree with you. I think this scene is actually a, a little funnier when you do kind of draw yourself out of the room a little bit and realize they're doing all of this in the middle of a study room in the middle of a library that still has a lot of people in it or would have if it wasn't for the puppy parade. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of letting them, that puppy parade did a great little plot point of drawing everybody out so that all of this ridiculousness could take place, uh, which also includes, you know, trashing the entire library, which is something that progressively happens over the course of these 22 minutes. I mean, it goes from a nice library to uh, at the end where the Dean is walking by and he's like, what did you guys do in there? Cause uh, ain't nobody's cleaning up that. So I, I like how they have the tables up on little chairs too. That was, that's kind of fun. Um, Heather, are you still there? Or are you just rewatching the scene I'm, where the guys are in the underwear? I don't know. I am replaying it in my head. Yes, but <laughs> no, I I'm just sitting here trying to think things to say because I don't really like this episode much, and I can't, I can't figure okay. out any really good arguments for it i just don't really care for it and i'm sitting here working so hard trying to be like ah, no but i don't like any of these things i don't well, then tell us why you don't I that's don't. fine well I, I figured i'd save what little i have for my <laughs> review with the end of the episode but if you say it now then you rob al of what he was going to say that's something we've learned on this episode. Yeah, I, Everything we say, Al was going to say. I hate to rob I, Al of what he's going to say. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's definitely not an episode they could have gotten away with early in season one. It's an episode where everybody really does need to know each other's pressure points and what keeps them in the room and ways to accuse them and uh, 
I mean, kind of, I guess it kind of shows how easy it is for family to hurt each other. And, and we kind of know each other the best. So we also know each other's weaknesses and insecurities. And if we want to get vicious, we can get vicious pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that yeah. might be part of it. And I like how much sense it makes when it gets to the most kind of dramatic, intense bit. Like, like Jeff says, if we leave, how can any of us trust anyone in this group ever again? And it, that totally makes sense because, yeah, it's only a pen, but at that point, everybody has lied to others in the group. So it's, it's become so important. How, they just can't leave and trust each other anymore unless they do that brilliant thing which they do where they just all let troy make up a ghost story and they believe it so they're really just using kind of fantasy or ignorance or something like that to get around this breaking point where they all almost split up this is almost the end of the group this episode it's pretty full-on in that way how many times have they, have they done this and will they do this in this show where they nearly break up the group over something? You know, <laughs> contemporary American poultry. Oh, no, we're falling apart. That's and what I was going to say. <laughs> you took one of my things. I have like three things. <laughs> I'm just not going to talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I didn't want to do this to you guys. I was like, ah, no, I'll just let you guys talk about how much you love it. <laughs> I won't. I won't chime in. <laughs> Just be there until people go. What? Yeah. She's still there. Oh yeah. Heather's uh, still here. Mm. Well, hi. Yeah. So that's uh, as Thomas was saying. That's kind of how they bring around the resolution that they decide unanimously as a group. We're just going to let this go. And that's not where they were like, you know, five minutes ago when Jeff was going absolutely insane. And Annie finally breaks and says, it's just a pen. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is not letting her off the hook in that moment, by the way. I'm with and him I, on that. <laughs> it's just a pen, not a principle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, there we go. You know, like, I think that's something my wife and I often tell each other is that we're not allowed to both have breakdowns at the same time. Like if I'm if I'm just disintegrating <laughs> into depression, she needs to be the strong person. If I'm becoming if she's becoming crazy, I need to be the rational person. And so that's kind of a family dynamic where somebody's being weak, the other person has to kind of step up and be the adult. Yeah. And it's kind of funny how they trade places at a couple of points. Um, a little a little moment, and I never really thought about it, but now that we're kind of thinking through some of the season long arcs that we're seeing in season two here. Just want to point out a very little moment where they are cutting off Pierce's cast. Yes, let's think back to this again. <laughs> that it smells like a Waffle House sink, according oh. to Troy. Yeah. But he's, they're cutting off the cast, and Abed says, I'm worried we've gone too far. This is how supervillains are created. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. And we're doing that to Pierce, which they've, you know, taped him down and shredding his... Uh, cutting open his cast so just a little moment but but yeah they get back together at the end and everything's all hunky-dory and we're, we're sitting around in our filth and a puppy parade's going on outside and we get we get a little bit of the puppy parade so uh, hopefully everybody can end the episode on a little bit of a happy note 
but we do also find out what happened to the pen. I wanted to ask you guys this. Would this episode have been stronger or weaker if we just never found out what happened to the pen? Like, uh, they gave us a resolution, hmm. but maybe they shouldn't have. Yeah, I actually, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I like it how it is, but I would be tempted to say I might have liked it even more if we didn't know. Yeah, uh, I, I love the the fact things can just go missing and you never find out why or how. Uh, I think that's there's something really true and scary about that. Because I think a contemporary of this, the reason I'm asking this question is people who watch shows love to dig into this stuff, develop theories, sometimes just handing them an open-ended ending of an episode and saying, we're not going to give you the actual answer to it. That's something Community does later on with uh, the Law and Order episode. And I'm not going to really go into that in case we have people here who haven't watched it yet. But they don't solve it for you at the end. And there have been so much, so much discussion and theories and finger pointing and people looking at other episodes and really digging into it. And here we find out, you know, like, oh, it was, it was Annie's little best friend from a certain episode who's been living in the ducks, apparently. And little monkey's been stealing everything. That would have been pretty cool if the only if we didn't have that end scene and the only indication of that was the, the little bit with the hand in the background at the start, that would have, that would have got though. Yeah. That would have got the forums ticking over, I suppose. We were talking before the episode about what we do see in the vents. So what did you guys notice that the monkey has stolen? Troy's college ID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Troy and Abed mug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some Spanish homework. Mm-hmm. The what would Jesus do? Uh, Shirley's bracelets. Oh, yeah. The bracelets. Yeah. Uh, there's a human being doll. Yes. Tucked in back there. Um, I think the one that made me laugh the most was uh, one of Pierce's earnoculars. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. Is seen in in kind of the long corridor shot. There. <laughs> I don't know what the balloon was from. What episode was that supposed to be from? Mm. It's like a half-deflated helium balloon in there. Like a ha- th- um, Valentine's the, Day episode? or Yeah, one of the dances. Yeah. Okay. But I don't... I'm not sure. All right. Okay, well, let's talk about what we think about the episode. <laughs> We're going to... Heather just needs to get whatever off her chest. We're going to let her go. So, Heather, just unload. All Tell right. pleasure. Yeah, let's start with the Debbie Downer of the group here today. I'd, after I watched this episode, my husband and I both looked at each other and he said, is it just me or is this, I don't remember it being this bad. And I said, yeah, I didn't feel good about this either. And I remember kind of liking it the first time. And I don't know if maybe the problem is that the mystery gets solved. So rewatching it since you already know who took the pin, it, it just sort of takes some of the interest out or what, but we, we both felt the same way. We didn't care for it as much the second time over. Cause this is only the second time I've ever watched it. I'm wondering if maybe I, if I watched it more, if, especially after I've watched all of the show, if going back and watching it again, if I would find, if I'd be more delighted in the interactions with the characters 
So I, I am actually going to purposely go back and rewatch this again after we've watched all of them to see. Okay. Uh, did you know? I'll give it another chance. But I, I basically I love the little puppy in the beginning. I like Dean's the, the response to Dean liking Jeff's joke about a catch to date. I, I think that's very funny. Where he thinks he's really made a witty comment, Britta gives him crap. Dean likes the joke and now suddenly Jeff's like look okay so like you're the the best wittiest person in the world like suddenly the Dean liking it made it not a good joke to him um I did like the reveal that Annie's sweater puppies was the culprit all along and then showing us all the stuff that it's taken (laughs) and and the way they presented like I think it was Thomas you were talking about at the end how they they're all so stressed out, but they know that if they if they don't just drop it, like they're never going to trust one another. They need to come up with something. So they let Troy uh, tell a ghost story. And that's now the thing that, that they are accepting as canon as to what happened to that pen. But I really don't find most of the dialogue funny. I don't like an episode where it's just everybody arguing with one another all the time. It just feels unpleasant to me. And as for the moral about the group being angry at one another... And then learning an important lesson about friendship. I feel like it's already been done a few times at this point, And it sounds like it's going to be done several more. So it just doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. And the tracking the menstrual cycles is viscerally deeply gross. So I'm, I got to give it a D. I almost gave it an F, but I'm going to give it a D. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Thomas, you get the privilege of following that up. <laughs> It's so interesting because I I think I I pretty much agree with everything Heather said, but I like land in a totally different place of kind of it hmm. overall just worked for me. Uh, I I I think that's so true. Actually, you mentioned Heather about like watching it the second time and knowing what actually did happen to the pen. I think that does take away a bit of the fun. I can remember watching it the first time and it really feels like more of an exciting mystery. Mm -hmm. Um, But on rewatch, you kind of know that everybody's innocent and, uh, and that makes it takes a little bit out of the tension. Yeah. But uh, I just love so many of the lines in this episode. And I think there's so many funny bits and clever, clever, funny lines. Um, (laughs) That's pretty much, pretty much it on why I like it. And uh and the Dean isn't in it much, but I just want to point out that last bit just cracks me up so much all the time when he's just so offended by Abed calling him non-miraculous. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's not even an insult, really, but he's so offended. Love that. Um, so I really didn't know if I was going to go A or B, and right this moment I still don't. But I think I'm actually going to go A. So totally different score to Heather, but I agree with pretty much most of the same points. Hmm. Okay. All right, Al, hopefully he didn't take what you were going to say away from you. Well, he did, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, and actually, I will say, like Thomas said, I don't disagree with anything Heather said particularly, but I came to a totally opposite conclusion Uh, i think that this is a really really excellent episode i think it pulls off the bottle thing really well i um and they can lampshade it at the same time as 
pull it off, at least in my eyes. Um, I think that the the writing is clever. There's stuff that is really funny on the surface, but also really funny when you go back and watch it a second or a third time and sort of hear the little things in the background, the little dropped things. There's clever plot points about the season. It's got a lot of great character stuff, a lot of great story stuff. Um, I like seeing the gang sort of devolve Lord of the Flies style and just completely trash the room and tear up the carpets and all of that to me is just really, really funny. So, uh, honestly, this episode is an A to me. I really like it. It's not the, not one of the first ones I think of when I think of the great episodes of Community, but I just enjoyed the heck out of it. It does seem to be an episode that a lot of people mention, and I think that's we mentioned that as well last time, uh, that there's some very memorable season two episodes, and there's just something about that image of the group standing there in their underwear behind the two tables doing this face off of distrust and um, almost conspiracy accusations against each other. It just really sticks in the mind. Um, I, yeah, the, you know, bottle episodes always come from a position of a disadvantage uh, when it comes to, you know, whether or not they can really pull off something that's, great i think they pulled off something that was good uh that's why i'm gonna get a bit of b i i really do like some of the cleverness here they're working in some major like season-long plot points they're also the way the episode's structured uh where we get little bits of clues then they click and then you can go back and kind of at least watch it a second time and get a little bit more out of it i think i always come back to this episode and find a, just a little bit more than the last time i saw it um, but there's there's a lot of a lot of character interactions i think it's interesting how this group you know suddenly there's no friendships there's no loyalties there's just people who you thought were on the same side suddenly wanting to point every finger but at themselves and so desperate to find who who's truly guilty. Um, I, I think that's also, I don't want to really go too far down this rabbit hole. I think that's kind of makes us uncomfortable because I think that's sometimes how very much we are. Uh, we love pointing fingers at other people who do bad things. And it makes us feel better about ourselves that at least I'm not that person <laughs> uh, the pharisee says at least i'm not a sinner like that tax collector is <laughs> that sort of thing we do this all the time online and i think dan Harmon really taps into that with the greendale seven uh, everybody's on their high horse but also everybody's under suspicion and even though they are all innocent nobody's really willing to give each other the benefit of the doubt nobody's willing to be graceful here in this moment until the very end and i think that's maybe the lesson they learn more than hey, we're family and let's get along is we have an option to show each other grace in this moment. And we, we can exercise that instead of trying to do this weird virtual witch hunt. Uh, Lord of the Flies, I thought that was a very apt description there. So a lot of a lot of great lines, you know, not the funniest season two episode, not even the most, you know, it's not really trying to parody anything or just being meta other than the fact that it's pulling upon the bottle episode format. But I thought I always think it's a good one and I like coming back to it. And I'm really sorry, Heather, that Abed's charting stuff makes you that uncomfortable. It's it's that. pretty I, I feel really offended on a personal level. 
but not as offended as the removal of Pierce's casts. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just be grateful we don't have a scratch and sniff mm. component mm-hmm. to this episode. So, yeah. yeah. Mm. Smell-o-vision is not. Mm. So we've, we've got rankings all over the place, I think. What, what do we have here? Do we have an A, B, B, and two, B? Two A's, a B, and a D. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a spread. So... Hopefully, if you're listening to this and you have a feeling on this episode, you're probably going to find at least one of us that you you find lines up with here. So there we go. We got we got that out of the way for better or for worse. And we can move on to episode nine next time. Uh, but in, before we do that, we do want to encourage you to just check out some of our other projects, other things we're up to. Heather, did you know mm-hmm. she has a Twitch channel? And it is amazing as she goes through all sorts of games. What have you been playing lately, I'm Heather? currently playing Devil May Cry 5, which is the first Devil May Cry I've ever played. And I'm loving it. Okay. All right. I think I played the original way back in the mm. day. It's a PlayStation 2 thing. I think the original was. Yeah, <laughs> dating myself so bad. Uh, Thomas has a YouTube channel. It is so great. You're not actually allowed to see it. It is too good, too pure. Yeah, and that eyes. sucks to be you because coming up on that channel, there's, I'm going to have a super cut of Heather on Twitch every time she dies in Devil May Cry. So. <laughs> wow. It's only going to have four views, but those views will really matter. Yeah. They really will. <laughs> you can also check out our, our cult movie review blog, Mutant Reviewers. Uh, I'm sorry, MutantReviewersMovies.com. It's the kind of website that Abed would definitely go visit on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, he definitely would. Uh, <laughs> so we, we have all sorts of reviews. Al's got one coming up. Heather's got stuff on there. I maybe have one or two reviews. It's it's there. So we'd like to encourage you to check out that, MutantReviewersMovies.com. Find out some movies that, you know, a little bit outside the mainstream, but still a lot of fun to watch. And you can follow all of us on Twitter at 101 Rewatching. That's our Twitter handle. Check out some polls. Hit us up and let us know what you think about Cooperative Calligraphy here, uh, Season 2, Episode 8. And is this a great episode? Is this an uncomfortable episode? And what truly do you think Pierce's cast smelled mm. like? That's it. That's it for today's show. So much quieter without the air horns. I'm just, I'm reveling in it. Ah, the serenity. Yeah. (laughs) Ah. Enjoy it while it lasts, because next week, next next episode, just you wait. (laughs) Air horn all the time. One hour of air horn. See you there. Is there any way we can mute just Thomas's mic in the next episode? Okay. (laughs) Easy. What? Easy.